Hello and welcome to the new episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today I have with me Clara Pennell. Hi, Clara. Hello. Thanks for well, thanks for joining us. Um, so, first of all, Clara, we'd like to start off just to get a little bit of idea of. Um, what you're currently doing, where you're based, what you do, most people already know, but, you know, you know, inform those uninformed. Okay. So um, I head up the procurement and logistics department at Royal Berkshire Energies Foundation Trust. Um, for those that don't know where Royal Berkshire is, that's in Reading. Um, I've been here for four, just over four years now. Um, and I've also just been recently appointed the deputy chief officer for Healthcare Supply Association. So, wow, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, will come, we will come on to that, rest assured. <laughs> yes. Um, so my role in terms of kind of context, we're a 500 um, million turnover pound trust. Our spend here is circa 190 million. Um, I've got a department of, can we say 25 people? Uh, and as I'm sure every other person in the procurement board in the NHS, we are still very busy. We're recovering from COVID. PPE is very much part of our BAE working lives. And we are focus now on kind of half year two, a uh, huge, huge capital investment here at RBFT, as well as a focus upon um, within, sorry, the, across the Bob ICS. So that's where I'm based. It's anything else you want me to go into or kind of previous history of? Yeah, I was, my- yeah previous history is always good. And I always like to know how people got to be in healthcare procurement, because generally yeah. people talk about kind of falling into it I mean some have been in public sector procurement already and then gone gone over to healthcare most people seem to sort of fall into it but then they seem to be extremely happy and stay there for many (laughs) many years so again I'm gonna say I fell into it fell into it yeah (laughs) Uh, I was studying my degree at uni and I I started work actually in NHS in a Bristol Western Purchasing Consortium I left that, uh, remained in healthcare, but worked in sort of an independent private sector for a number of years. And I I saw kind of an opportunity there and I didn't realise what procurement is or commercial. I really, really fell in love with it, decided I didn't want to become a barrister because that's what I wanted to be, Um, chose this career path. And I could hand on heart say for those who want to pursue a career or unsure about what procurement is, do it. it it there's so many there's so many routes and how you can take your career um it's it's challenging in healthcare procurement but it's fun and there's not a dull moment in healthcare procurement um for, for me personally i kind of work my way up the kind of the ladder so to speak um and i'm pleased i've seen every sector and i've worked mm-hmm. in dental i've worked in independent i've worked in full private healthcare and nhs so i think i've got a good understanding of how healthcare works and for me a big focus is obviously about transformation strategy but also I think well I don't think I know the key there is our patients and it's really easy to forget and I, I'm, I think now be I think there'll be procurement professionals out there who don't see the value of what they can deliver to the overall patient care and outcomes mm-hmm. is that an incredible amount um, and PPE and I'm hoping PPE the last year to the general public have realised that functions such as 
procurement actually play a really important role in healthcare, not just and not just in acute settings either, in kind of the primary care settings, mental health care settings, and social care. Yeah, and certainly uh, in the last 18 months, uh, I guess it is with, with, with COVID, it's sort of pushed that into the forefront, hasn't it, procurement, which is something that's you know, very much right at the back previously for most yeah. people. Yeah, I've always said that we're not a back office function. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's obviously, that's a common misconception of procurement departments across healthcare, not just NHS. And it's something that I think we need to continue to change and work on and demonstrate to stakeholders, whether you're, again, whether you're NHS or private healthcare, but as an industry of what we can do. So I view um, procurement as a very much commercial function. Um, It's multifaceted. It's kind of touches and feels nearly every part of a hospital so whether you you know right from the beginning of sourcing delivering your logistics and materials management team um it's a very very varied function department um and a fun one too because i think we have <laughs> that we are procurement is boring it's not far from it <laughs> what um you're you're obviously a woman in procurement yes um what would you say to you know, obviously, there's there's a tendency, isn't there? I mean, since I've been involved with um, procurement in NHS, there's been a um, there's been a kind of like a overriding sort of feeling that there's an element of of it being kind of older male uh, dominant. Um, yeah. Where do you think that is at the moment? And uh, what would you say to? How would you sell it? And you've kind of done a, a nice job of selling it anyway already. But how would you sell it specifically to? To, to women, uh, healthcare procurement coming into the world? I'm going to draw on my own experiences. So I came into what I believe, this is 15 years ago, probably more, mm. it, was, I, it was a male-dominated um, environment. Procurement functions tend to sit in the finance kind of mm-hmm. overall directorates. It can be intimidating if you're a young woman, particularly graduates or apprenticeships, um, with kind of, I'm going to say this, Go on, go on. You don't need much encouragement. (laughs) Middle-minded, middle-aged men who um, are probably a bit narrow-minded as well. I work with, that's not true. But that is that again. That's a perception we need to change. Sure, and sure. I have seen that. I'm seeing a lot more um, women in senior roles and in actually in procurement, finance, commercial roles, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, would I like to see more women in senior executive positions? Absolutely. There's still a big gap gap there in the market overall, particularly in healthcare and um, procurement, healthcare and finance. I'm I'm pretty lucky here at RBFT. So my my line manager, who's CFO. We've got an estates director. We're all women in predominantly a male-dominated world. So I feel proud, and I feel proud of the other women and colleagues across the procurement healthcare sector that have have worked their way through up the ladder, proven that, um, I don't think we should have to prove, but I thought it goes back to my point. There's probably still some work to, to carry on in terms of sort of closing that gap between men and women industry. Don't get me wrong, by the way, that's not to say that I don't respect my male colleagues, obviously I do, but I, I do I, I do feel frustrated sometimes. Now, there are behaviours that are questionable, but mm-hmm. it, it's changing. And I'd encourage, if there are women out there who are unsure about this career path, and it might be because they feel like it's male-dominated, mm-hmm. um, that, that there's plenty of 
um, sort of peers across the across the industry that would welcome and want to see more and more women in these roles. Mm-hmm. Well, you've kind of opened the door for me there to discuss the fact that you are now a deputy chief officer of the Healthcare Supply Association. Yes. Uh, you, along with uh, Richard Whiteside, recently named deputy chief officers under our new chief officer, Keith, Keith Rowley. Yep. Regular listeners to this podcast, and I always <laughs> love being able to say that phrase. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like it's like podcast bingo. It is yeah. number one. Regular <laughs> listeners to this podcast will know you from the uh, supplycast panels that we that we've done in the past, which actually included both the new chief officer, you, and the other new deputy <laughs> chief officer. So it was kind of like a very prophetic scenario. <laughs> They will know that you are uh, someone who is, you know, it's very clearly came across and those very passionate. Thank you. Very much, very much will, will shoot from the hip. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, a, I think a straight talker. People might, might happily describe you as. And it occurs to me that, that, that one of the, the great things about you taking up a role in the, uh, you know, top tier of the HTSA um, yep. is because you'll bring those things to it. And, you, you know, you'll touch on things like the, the diversity, elements of diversity, and that kind of thing that you obviously feel very passionate about. Do you feel that's like a key part that you will bring to the HSA in, in your new capacity? I hope so. I, I'm really honoured to take that role along for HSA. And I can't wait to work with the team. And we, we've talked about, you know, the next direction of HSA in the future. And that's kind of one of my focuses, but also about the next generation of procurement professionals, how we can align ourselves with strategic partners, um, how we can support NHS um, procurement across, you know, now and going forward. But yeah, they're, they're kind of my key areas. And as you know, I'm really passionate about procurement. I'm really passionate about getting things, doing things right, or getting it for girth. Let's talk about that. I'm going to mention it, getting it right first time. But yeah, it, I, I think we are an evolving profession and we need to continue yeah. to improve. And if we don't sort of realise and recognise lessons learned and where we should be taking sort of kind of the direction of travel with procurement. And that includes subjects such as diversity, modern, yeah. how we can kind of make it perhaps an NHS procurement one step ahead in, let's say, procurement in other industries. That's, um, that's for me kind of where my passions, beliefs and where I'd like to sort of contribute to the HSA in my my new role. You know, and it's just just occurred to me that obviously you've just had PDP 2021 and the top three um, that were picked from the PDB class of 2021 were all women, which must be very encouraging. Great, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's really good, yeah. So so what else do you like? You've spoken there about what you're going to bring to the HCSA. Was this something that... Was this something that um, you were keen to do? I mean, when, when obviously you would have done an expression of interest about the role, but yeah. was this something you thought about for a while? Was it in the back of the mind anywhere thinking I'd love to sort of play an active or more, more active role, I should say, in the HCSA? Yeah, absolutely. I'm quite candid about where I want to take my career mm-hmm. and, and I have my own sort of career path and, I'm passionate about procurement, passionate about NHS procurement and the NHS. I feel like um, if I can contribute that as a deputy chief officer with a great organisation, then that's ticking a lot of personal boxes, Mm -hmm. special boxes for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope it inspires more people to take on roles that they think, uh, if you asked me 10 years ago, I'd never have thought 
I'd be in this position. Yeah. But it amplifies people who think about how they're going to progress their career forward in NHS procurement can do it. Um, so absolutely, I have thought about it. Um, and it, it's it's a great it's it's a great um, accolade. It's a good challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've all we're, we're in NHS procurement. We're busy. There's always mm. something coming up. There's something to yes. there's a there'll be something to change. Um, but with this organisation that I'm now heavily involved in, I think it's really great. And I know my team are happy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're all about it. So but I was going to say they're all they're all very proud for you and. Yeah, yeah. We're like we, we called it the RBFT family here. They're probably yeah. they have to probably do some eye rolling, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to just touching on the present, I guess mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about where we are right now in terms of, um, you know, COVID, um, yeah. and, and and obviously Brexit. But if I can just sort of stay on the COVID situation, because we're coming up to winter, we see a lot of headlines. We see a lot of um, fear of winter. Yes. Uh, coming up and obviously, the, you know, double, triple whammies, COVID, um, you know, flu, flu season, uh, that kind of thing. How do you feel? How do you feel at the moment that you're placed? What's it, um, how are you, what are your feeling towards it? No. As far as, do you know what we would? My deputies and I were just having this discussion. We feel pretty calm about it, and I think um, if if the public were watching this, you know, be reassured that the NHS is prepared, mm. and there were lessons learned during last year. As far as I'm concerned, there aren't any PPE shortages. Um, we've got a system. It's all it's become BAU now within how we manage. Um, how we manage PPE, making ensuring that all of our staff members at RBFT and I suppose in your respective ICS's regions, I haven't heard, and I could be wrong, but I haven't heard um, of shortages or people not ready for winter to come. Right. Um, and I think in these scenarios, the NHS are good in a crisis. We are really good at that. Mm-hmm. We've had a very long stint of a pandemic. So I think now is just to make, you know, if you, Advice is just make sure you're prepped, you've got the right PPE, everyone's sighted and aligned on contingency plans. Should we get to the state we might have been where we were, there were potential PPE shortages, were PPE shortages. Um, and we've done this now for, like I said, for nearly 18 months, mm. almost two years, two months, two years, February, March. That's crazy. Um, I think everybody will kind of bring. If it get if it spikes the numbers, and I, I personally, and this is my own personal view, mm. I don't think like to what we've seen before, and I hope not. Um, we kind of bring it on. That's my attitude. That's that's <laughs> what I expect from you, Clara. <laughs> I will say though, um, it's tiring working that way, sure. and I, I think the NHS procurement profession are tired. I mean, everybody across the NHS is tired, but mm. if we have to face that that level of work rate and, and hours and days again, then I, I, you know, my lessons learned from managing my department is that we make sure we have appropriate rest days, that we don't have single point of failures um, and we don't panic because as soon as you start, the mistakes are made. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, as you say, it's uh, it's been a learning experience because it's, I mean, I think it's been sort of shown, hasn't it, that you can, you can sort of attempt to get an idea of what, of what it would be like to work in a pandemic situation but yeah. 
it, it doesn't compare remotely to reality. I think it's yeah. fair to say of actually having that experience. Um, so I guess that would be like, I guess the two, you know, I always think the two things that came out of it that were positive from the point of view, you, you um, and people in, in procurement is that it's prepared you. Um, it's a horrible thought, but it has prepared you for another one, but maybe one that's even more serious potentially. Um, but all, yeah, no. but the other thing is, of course, it's as we said just, just previously, it has sort of brought the work that you do into the spotlight a little bit more, a little bit more recognition. Absolutely. Uh, another focus of mine is collaborative working, cross-functional working. And I'm not just saying that because it's my trust. We're pretty good at it at RBFT, but it's reinforced how important that is. And I'm hoping that where that may have not been fully appreciated in other um, sort of acute trusts or primary care settings, wherever you are in the healthcare sector, that that's kind of reinforced it and people are now starting to realise that these functions is important that we, you know, everyone has a part to play. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm proud of what we've done across the NHS with procurement. Yeah. Well, talking about recognition, I'm yeah. going effortlessly segue into <laughs> uh, the awards. Yes. Obviously coming up at the HCSA conference at the end of yeah. November, towards the end of November. Obviously there'll be the awards, there'll be the conference. It's going back to face-to-face I yeah. know for a fact that um uh, attendance is looking outstanding so anyone that still is looking to get a ticket you had you know better hurry up they get march on yes um because uh I know I've, I've I know I've heard tell of the figures and um it's it's looking really good so it really has kind of like demonstrated both in terms of you know sponsors supporting it uh corporate partners etc that um, commitment and um, excitement, enthusiasm to get back to a conference which resembles the conferences of the past, as great yeah. as the virtual virtual ones were, um, is obviously there. What's, what's your feelings about the conference coming up? Fantastic. It's a long time coming. Hmm. It's great to get back face-to-face. It's really important. Um, virtual works, proven it's working. Work Worked, sorry. Mm-hmm. word. I've just made something up. But... There, you can't be a face-to-face conference, interacting, meeting colleagues and networking. Um, and we deserve that. Like I said, we've just done 18 months, nearly two years of really, yeah. really hard slog um, in procurement, working through the pandemic. I, I think it's a great event and just encourage yeah. anyone who hasn't signed up, do sign up. I noticed on, our, uh, on the HSA Twitter feed that obviously we've been deep into awards season. Yeah, And I've noticed that a lot of people that have been, you know, tweeting, oh, I'm at this event for the awards, this event for the awards, that, that um, things seem to have, you know, have been quite, you know, excited and raucous. Like, it just feels <laughs> like everyone's de- everyone's a bit demob happy. You, you know what I mean? Everyone's a bit demob happy at the opportunities, oh. of, you know. So I think in, in a way it's interesting because to me the HSA conference is not just like a HSA conference and obviously the awards and that, but it almost is. It's almost like it's part of a thank you celebration to everyone. That's what it seems like, doesn't it? Yeah, recognizing talent, recognizing skills. Mm. Thank you, um, and it's an opportunity to again network and. Be together as kind of a group of procurement professionals. It's almost like I'm going to say it. I'm going to sound cheesy now. Family, and it's <laughs> family. I need to stop saying, it, don't I? But um, I, I, I can't wait. Really excited for it. 
and it would be nice to see colleagues across um, across the country there too. There's there's nothing better, Clara, when speaking to you than when you say, I'm going to say it. Because <laughs> it, it always means, oh, this is going to be good. Do you know what? I really say community, not family. Probably because yeah. I've just found it's a community. Yeah, let's call it community. Community, family community. Yeah, I think it's fine. Family, yeah. listen. You know, that's, that's you know, even more so over the last 18 months. So you crack yeah. on with saying family. Um, Clara, I'm going to move on to yes. the, 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 the fun bit at the end of the podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Desert that's Island fun. Supplies. We're whisking you off to that, that desert island. Again, podcast bingo, regular listens to this section of the programme. We'll know <laughs> that we ask the person being interviewed what would they take if they can take one luxury item they can take an album and they can take a film um onto this desert island so that's going to have to you know that's going to have to make do for the the rest of the rest of the years playing out on this desert island oh what would the luxury item be remember you've got you've got sustenance on, on there you don't have to worry well, about i can can't i you what say i can pick anything can't i or yeah, as- luxury item. It's just it's that that's that it's that item. Why don't I take my iPhone. <laughs> take your iPhone. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but someone has said that before. Is that a luxury item? Is that that's almost a? We can't. I mean, it's this ridiculous uh, answer actually because there'd be no electricity. You'd need a charger. Um, so let's. You'd get, you'd get about what would you? You'd get if it was if we assume your phone was fully charged at a point at which you found yourself on this desert island and what would you do i mean it might last you the, the day it depends what you're doing and if you're playing games or... i'd hope it deserves to start playing a game it's not a problem <laughs> right i'll do sos in a minute i'm just gonna play this game uh, yeah. but, you know what what would i take mm. it needs to be something useful doesn't it yeah um, well you know well luxury suggests yeah, it has to be something useful, but it could just be something that you just—I don't know—that you just feel comforted having around you. That's a—that's not really something you have to have, but something you like to have. Hey now, put me on the spot. There's lots of things whizzing around my head, Bruce. All of which I don't. Think. <laughs> are we going? Are we heading for another? I'm going to say it. No, definitely not. Um, what would I do? Do you know what I'd take? Go if on. I thinking like long I'm thinking long term here if I'm stuck and I'm not going to get help for a little while yeah I'm a shelter and I've watched I've watched enough SOS stuff on the TV I feel like I could yeah buy with Flint catch chicken or something right. can I bring pen and paper as a diary as a set sure because yeah. then I uh, count the days on mm-hmm. a piece of paper, write what my experiences are and I think if you're on your own on a desert island you need to think about health and well-being. Well, the mental health, I suppose, get your your thoughts down. I'm not trying to wait here into this healthcare wide and yeah. health. Yeah. I think I'd do that. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose <laughs> to diarise. Yeah, I suppose it's better than um, you know what you see in in the movies on desert islands, where it's just a piece of rock on a large bit of boulder with you yeah. sort of writing things. Yeah, I, I'm not about to start befriending um, an old football, so <laughs> I won't mention the film. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson, was it tennis ball or football? Volleyball, volleyball. All oh, oh, right, see, uh, yeah, there you go. 
Um, that's probably what I'd be. I'm a, I, could, I could be really girly and say, no, tweezers, mascara, lip balm. But no one's going to see you. So at that point, I think you really can. <laughs> um, so what would be music? What album would you say? Oh, I, music's a big, big, big passionate of mine. Oh, my Lord. I never have a top. I don't have one album or... Can I have to take a compilation that I would have done previously of all my favourite tracks from different genres of music and eras that remind me of good memories? Is that possible? A bit like a now 33, except now it's Clara 33. You mean, what you're, ask, what you're asking me is, can you take a mixtape on the island? <laughs> yes. I will, <laughs> let you have a, I will let you have a mixtape. Excellent. That's what I'm going to take. What, then would, a what, what would be on it off the top of your head? Right. Um, one of my all-time favourite tracks is um, James Brown, The Boss. Mm -hmm. um, probably Armin van Helden, You Don't Know Me. Um, then there'll be some like punk rock songs on there. Spice Girls, um, just because it's so cheesy and tacky. When you're feeling really mm -hmm. down, you need absolutely ridiculous to put on. No offence if you're a diehard Spice Girl fan. Um, maybe some R&B and hip-hop. Oh, all sorts, all sorts of sorts of music there. Bit of reggae, dub, yeah. Excellent. Well, I'll let you have that mixtape. Thank you. <laughs> you can start working on that now. I'm coming through, Bruce. People start coughing now. Right, I'm a mixtape. Clara can have one. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's Well, hold on a minute. Didn't Clara have a mixtape? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've opened a can of worms. Sorry. Yeah. What was the, the film. Film. It'd have to be a long film to entertain you, wouldn't it? Godfather. Oh, oh, or Goodfellas. No, I'm going to go with Goodfellas. Okay. Goodfellas. And it's, you've got to pick something that's lengthy. Mm -hmm. An hour and a half. I don't want to watch that again tomorrow. <laughs> no, it don't sounds know. perfect. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. So you've got your um, you've got your pen and paper to get your thoughts down and to. Uh, uh, to keep oh. a diary of your adventure. Yeah, get some drawings there. You might discover a new animal or species. You never know. Exactly. So you've sort of become part botanist at this stage. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so you're on the desert islands. You've taken up botany <laughs> straight away. Uh, you're listening to a whole, a whole uh, miasma. <laughs> Of music <laughs> on your mixtape, and yep. you're listening, you're and you're watching Goodfellas, a very great movie. I don't think there's anyone on earth who doesn't think that's a great movie. So yeah. I think everyone's going to be any. I think everyone would be delighted that with that choice. Excellent, Clara. You've made it. You've made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you very oh. much for finding the time to join me. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, and good luck as the, one of the new deputy chief officers. Very much. Yeah. Can't wait to get, get involved. Okay, that's the end of this episode of Supply Cars. I hope you join me next time. Bye. Bye.